Welcome to The Yarn, where we bring you some of the best reporting from the graduate journalism courses here at the University of Melbourne. I'm Fia Walsh. We're joined today by Master of Journalism student Vanessa Di Natale to talk through a questionable NDIS contract. Vanessa, welcome to The Yarn. You've been investigating an NDIA contract, so to start, could you quickly explain what the NDIA is and and how does it relate to the NDIS? So the National Disability Insurance Agency um, is the government department that oversees the allocation of funds uh, for the National Disability Insurance Scheme. The National Disability Insurance Scheme represents a transformational approach to the provision of disability services in this country. Rather than attempt to patch and mend the existing system through further incremental changes, we will build a new system from the ground up. The current funding model, based on historical budget allocations, will be replaced by an insurance approach based on actuarial analysis of need and future costs. So your investigation looks at a lucrative contract to conduct the NDIA's independent assessments. What did you find? Uh, so in looking at the um, eight comp- into the eight companies that were selected by the NDIA to run independent assessments, uh, I, I came across um, Zanita's Healthcare, which um, the reason I... I I, I read into them to begin with was because um, one of uh, the directors of Zanita's Healthcare um, actually used to be the CEO of um, the National Disability Insurance Agency. Um, so he left, um, I think he left on the eve of um, the last federal, just on the eve of the last federal election to go, to go run Zanita's Healthcare. I think he'd only been the director um, of the agency for a couple of months, and it did it did um, cause a bit of disarray with with internally for the agency because um, not only did he leave, but he took a bunch of other um, uh, executive st- uh, staff of the agency. So there was about four, I think four or five in NDIA uh, public servants that went over to. Um, this public, um, uh, private, sorry, uh, uh, disability and health provider. So from there, I looked into the um, the, the, the businesses, the other businesses that the other directors ran, and I found that um, two of the directors, John Hickey and um, Jonathan Lim, um, we're also directors of uh, Craig Care, which is a aged care provider in Victoria and Western Australia, and um, a number of their of their aged care homes have been found non-compliant with um, aged care standards. Okay, so to summarise, a lucrative contract went to Zanita's Healthcare and two of the board members there were associated also with Craig Care. And Craig Care um, is a uh, franchise, I guess you would say, of aged care homes, but they'd failed to meet 
aged care regulations a number of times over the past couple of years. Um, do we know exactly how Craig Care failed to meet the aged care regulations? One of the probably most concerning findings of the Aged Care Commission was um, in relation to their Craig Care Pasco Vale facility, um, where um, they were found to have um, failed their, their clients um, in, in, in providing uh, care and, um, and staff during a COVID outbreak in their facility, um, which led to, I think, I think there was over 80 people hospitalised and 16 deaths at Craig Care Pasco Vale. Um, the the other one was to do with Craig Care Mooney Ponds, where the aged care regulator um, handed them a serious risk decision um, because they found that there was um, a lack of qualified staff and um, pet clients' wounds weren't being um, properly attended to in, in um, a sufficient time frame, as well as problems with how antipsychotic medication um, was being administered. Um, but yeah, I guess the, 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 the most concerning finding was that there was, um, the Aged Care uh, Commission found that there was undignified and disrespectful care uh, at the Pasco Vale Craig Care facility uh, where, where the, where the 16, 16 residents died. Okay, so we've got some pretty horrible and tragic breaches there by Craig Care. You reached out to Mr Hickey and Mr Lim, the two directors associated with both Craig Care and Zanitas. What was their response? Uh, in, in response to a series of questions, though, um, Mr Hickey responded back to just highlight the fact that um, at, at, at currently on, on the commission, Aged Care Commission's website, all Craig, home, Craig Care Homes are, are compliant with, um, with the Aged Care Standards. Um, so, yeah, that he, um, he didn't directly answer questions about the four, the four, um, the four Craig Care Homes last year and this year that have been issued non-compliance notices and a, and a serious risk decision. Either way, the contract that Zanitas won has been scrapped. In fact, the plan to bring in independent assessments at all has been scrapped because it brought around quite a bit of controversy. Can you tell us who was opposing the independent assessments and why? There was a series of disability advocacy groups that were, um, were opposing um, independent assessments being introduced. It was the news disability advocates had hoped for. One of the things that people were really, really anxious about was independent assessments and to hear that that model would be dead in the water was something that was very welcomed. A former chairman of the National Disability Insurance Agency, Bruce Bonahady, says the scheme's 430,000 participants need to be consulted more on any changes. So that these uh, new forecasts can be scrutinised and we can make sure that the NDIS is going to be there for future generations. There was a lot of concern from disability groups and people with disabilities that 
um, independent assessments risked being run uh, similarly to the robo-debt scandal. Right, so that's, sorry, that's what the independent assessments are trying to find out. They're assessing an individual's eligibility for the NDIS, is that right? Yeah, yeah, and so the the, the NDIA had said that the reason they were pushing um, to, to introduce independent assessments was because... Um, that the current data was showing that there was inequity in um, how much funding participants were being allocated by uh, their socioeconomic status. So if everyone got an independent assessment, then, you know, it would would lead to more equality within how much funding people were getting. However, there was a number of leaks of internal NDIA documents that showed that um, this likely had a lot more to do with um, um, decreasing the costs of um, plans. Right. So at the moment, people can use their own doctors and specialists as part of their assessment, which, which can not always be so equal when people have different access to two doctors, um, but probably the motivation on behalf of the NDIA was to cut costs. Yeah, so in one of the documents that um, I think was leaked to The Guardian, um, uh, it, it showed that um, they, were, they were hoping that independent assessments um, would reduce forward estimates by, uh, by over $700 million within four years. So um, publicly, we had Minister, Minister Reynold saying that this would, would, would create more fairness with um, the decision, with funding decisions. But internally, um, there, was a, there was a lot of discussion around budget blowout and making the scheme um, sustainable in, in the long term. So the independent assessments were going to be quite lucrative for those who won the contracts. Was any of the money promised or paid out before these contracts were cancelled? So um, questions have been put to the NDIA about you know what what's what's happening, what's going to happen with the the contracts with those eight companies that won the tender to deliver independent assessments. Um, Three hundred and thirty nine million dollars was was allocated to independent assessments, which was supposed to be um, uh, allocated amongst those eight companies uh, for, for, th- for over three years. Um, uh, the Canberra Times ha- did ask the NDA after Minister Reynolds said in July that they that independent assessments would no longer be going forward, um, you know, what, what's happening with those contracts, um, but the NDIA didn't respond directly to, to those questions. So... Um, we're not sure how much of, of, of that money has been spent. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of questions in relation to those contracts now, yeah. Even though the independent assessment contracts have been scrapped, some people are not happy about what your findings indicate about the NDIA, that a contract like this could be awarded to Zanita's despite the links with Craig Care. Samantha Connor, president of People with Disabilities Australia, is quoted in your piece saying that it's another example of the NDIA's approach of privatised profit over people. 
Is this story part of a broader problem with the NDIA? Yeah, definitely. I think independent assessments um, and so the fact that independent assessments were first introduced under uh, the, the former minister, Stuart Roberts, who who was also in charge of um, Centrelink's robo-debt scandal. So it it is showing um, sort of the, what, the risks associated with um, privatising um, public health services and um, and automating um, health services when the, those services are going to be delivered to people who um, don't have the resources or might not have the intellectual capacity to 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 defend themselves or um, properly grasp um, what what they're entitled to or what they're not entitled to. So. Yeah, when, when you've got private contractors handling um, government services and they haven't been properly vetted and there's also this potential conflict of interest with a with former NDIA, uh, NDIA um, public servants going to work for the private, private disability providers, it, it raises a lot of questions about... Um, how the NDIA is assessing who they who they select to uh, award such lucrative contracts to. Questions about Zenitas Healthcare's links to the NDIA um, were raised in Senate estimates earlier this year. So this isn't the first time that concern about links between, as you say, private private healthcare providers and the public NDIS have been raised. What was discussed in Senate estimates? Uh, so uh, the, the current uh, CEO of the National Disability Insurance Agency, Martin Hoffman, um, questions were put to him about if, if uh, the decision to introduce independent assessments of discussions around that were had back when Robert DeLuca was still the CEO. Um, I'll stick with this, Mr DeLuca for a moment. Uh, he is now the CEO of Zenitas Healthcare, who are a parent company of Allied Healthcare Group, a successful tenderer uh, for the rollout of independent assessments. Uh, how is it that a former CEO of the NDIA, who was terminated from his role uh, at a bank during the run-up to a banking royal commission, uh, has now been given such a significant role, given that he would have attained in his time as CEO significant corporate knowledge and institutional knowledge uh, around the functioning of the agency. Coming to the, um, the, the matter there, as I um, went through with Senator Green, uh, there was an open, transparent tender. There was... Uh, probity advisor for that process, independent in Maddox. Uh, there was careful separation of information and people involved. The sort of selection criteria uh, that applied for the uh, um, selection of these companies uh, for the services being provided, uh, I'm very confident, as I said, that uh, the prior employment of uh, Mr DeLuca uh, does not go to the sort of criteria of uh, selection. 
As I said, I've never met or spoken with, uh, with him. Uh, I was the one making the final recommendations. Likewise, the board, uh, as I explained, uh, it doesn't hold water to suggest that they were you know, seeking to advantage him. Uh, this has been handled entirely properly, and I don't accept that there is uh, an issue here at all. On The Citizen and Radio Fodder, you're listening to The Yarn. My guest is Vanessa Di Natale, and I'm Fia Walsh. Vanessa, we'll turn now a bit to your reporting process. So you've done some really detailed and original reporting in this story. How did you approach it? I feel like for most stories for me, it comes from cynicism. So um, I, I, I was reading a lot about how um, there was this overlap between um, disability and aged care providers. And um, while I was reading the stories about um, Zanita's healthcare and Bob DeLuca, um, I was curious to see um, whether anyone on the board of, of Zanita's healthcare um, was also involved in the aged care sector. Um, and it was through um, doing a search on ASIC um, that I, I was able to find um, what other businesses um, that, that those board directors were involved in. From there, I um, typed the names of those aged care facilities, um, so Crave Care in this case, into the Aged Care, um, Aged Care Commission's website, um, which has a sort of compliance tracker of all aged care services in, in Australia. And first I, I found um, the, the serious risk decision um, for Mooney Ponds, um, and which let, and then I found reports about the deaths at Craig Care Pasco Vale reported in the Age, um, and that kind of um, is where the story um, stemmed from, I guess. Yeah. Finally, Vanessa, do you have any socials where you'd like our audience to follow you? Um, I, I, had, I just have a muck rack. <laughs> Vanessa, thanks so much for joining me on The Yarn. You can listen to Vanessa Di Natale's story, Privatised Profit Over People, NDIS Contract Raises Questions, at thecitizen.org.au. A big thanks to our producer and citizen cadet, Jordan Beasley. Thanks also to Radio Fodder producer Mark Yin. That's it for this week. I'm Fia Walsh. See you next time here on The Yarn.